Good morning, you guys. Um, that's good. My name is Liz, and I'm one of the associate pastors here this morning, and currently holding down the fort this morning as our lead pastor, Jeremy, um, is on a project this weekend with Vineyard Missions, which is kind of the branch of the vineyard that helps local churches um, do cross-cultural mission work, and so he'll probably say something about it next week, or you can ask him, and my husband, Dan, the other associate pastor, he's in New Orleans, probably driving home right now, but they were having a youth retreat this weekend, so he had some students there, and they were having a great time. So <clears throat> um, I have been enjoying myself in the lovely weather. I think that if I could live in this spring weather for the rest of the year, that would be great. <laughs> I don't know about you, but hopefully you did something outside. <laughs> You're finally warmed up, right? But anticipating the impression, oppression of the summer is not my favorite. Um, but um, we are in our third week. Um, this series is called Come to the Table. And we've been diving a little bit deeper into the, the concept of communion and what it all means and represents for us. And I've really enjoyed... Um, you know, taking time to study this topic and taking time to discuss it with my vineyard community and just think about it a little bit more. Growing up in the church, sometimes it can just become habit, you know, commonplace. You just take communion, you do it, it's routine. But when you take time to step away from something and kind of look at it afresh, um, it's good because you learn things and you grow. And, and that's what we're we've been trying to do during this series is first affect our understanding, okay? Like, what is communion about? What does it mean? And then we're trying to apply it to our lives and, and um, receive what we can from it. And then we're also trying to experience it. So we'll have time at the end. It will culminate to the end of our um, time together and take communion. And so... Um, I also, this isn't another communion station, by the way. This is just a representation of the bread and the cup I want you to focus on and think about throughout this series, that this table, the Lord's table with the Lord's meal on it, is an open invitation to you for God's presence. This table is an open invitation for spiritual renewal. And we're going to be talking about that this morning, but as we gather around the Lord's table, as we take communion, um, the Spirit of God is actually seeking to renew us and refresh us. And as God is present with us, we are renewed and refreshed. And sometimes that can feel like, how does that actually all happen? It's just bread and grape juice in our situation. But there's a very spiritual reality here happening at the table that is open to you to receive all that God has for you this morning. So I'm going to pray for us um, as we get started. God, we acknowledge your presence here with us. We are thankful for your presence here with us. We're thankful that you've chosen us, that you dwell with us. And God, I pray that as you know each one of us, that you would fill us up afresh with your love, you'd fill us with what we need, 
the things that you know that we need. And I pray that we can just focus on you as we hold you in our hearts and, and really receive from you this morning. Amen. <clears throat> so as we're all gathered here this morning, I want us to remember that we become the body of Christ together, all gathered here this morning. Um, and I don't, you know, sometimes you don't feel deser- I don't feel deserving to be called Christ's body, but we become Christ's body because we belong to God. He is a relational God that has a relationship with us. And we talked about in the first series, the first sermon in this series, that the foundation of the communion table, the foundation is love. You are loved by God. And we belong to him. And when we gather like this, we are Christ's body. Jesus isn't physically here with us, but we get to be the extension of Jesus here on earth. We say, we're the hands and feet of Jesus, right? That isn't just a catchy phrase, but it's actually the truth that we gathered here become Christ's body. We get to be the place where Christ's spirit is. Um, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Now this verse is, is claiming something amazing. It's telling us the blessing that we get as New Testament believers, that you and I have the Spirit of God living in us. I don't always think like that or live like that, right? That's like that disconnect between my beliefs and my actions. You know, I, I can live just like very, just defaultly as myself, right? And then I have to remember, oh, I have access to God. His truth, his spirit is in me and it's in you. But you know, God's presence wasn't always that accessible to his people. So we've kind of been following the story of ancient Israel and what they um, went through and how that has brought us to communion as they, um, you know, went through the exodus and got freed from slavery. But back in ancient Israel, when um, these are God's people, he chose to be with them, and they had this thing called the tabernacle. And it's like this big tent-like structure that was amongst their living quarters. You know, so they all are living in tents, and here's this big tent. And this is like the temple, right? And this, on the like far left, is in a section called the Most Holy Place. And there's a veil, that purple veil. And then the next section to the right is the Holy Place. And the most holy place has uh, a thing called the Ark of the Covenant, which you can see has like two rods on the side, and then there's angels, and God's presence came and dwelt. That was like his throne, came and dwelt there. But this most holy place was covered by this veil, and you and I couldn't just like go waltzing on in there. We would be, poof, gone. Because God's presence is so holy and so powerful and overwhelming. So there was one dude, once a year, that could enter the most holy place. 
where God's presence was. And he could only go in there after he had done these blood sacrifices and been purified and everything was okay. He could go in there without dying. Then the rest of the holy place is where the priests would do their regular um, rituals and ministering. And there's a table there and there's 12 loaves stacked up that kind of look like pita bread. And it's called the bread of the presence. And this is kind of where our symbolism starts, right, for communion. The bread of the presence, the face of God. There's 12 pieces of bread there that represent the 12 different tribes of Israel. And it was a a symbol of the 12 tribes of, of Israel being in the presence of God and God being in the presence of his people. And the priests would symbolically enter um, God's presence. They would eat of the bread, the consecrated bread, on behalf of the people. And there was a fellowship there of the bread and the priests. Um, So that's kind of where our roots start. But we fast forward to the New Testament and where we pick up now. And this is what Jesus says. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. So now Jesus is claiming that he is the very presence of God here on earth. He is the way to know God. He is our sacrifice. He is our life. He is our spiritual nourishment. He is the bread. And we all then become the temple of God the place where God's presence dwells. It's a rich symbolism, but also a rich reality that we have full access to God's presence, always. There is no more veil. So our first point this morning that I want us to think about is that God is present as we take communion. He is here that he is our nourishment for life, that there is an open table, an open invitation to receive God's presence, to receive um, everything that he has for us, that it, it doesn't really matter what you've come here with, you know, what burden or, or struggle or thing that happened last week or last night, they're not a barrier to God's presence anymore. It isn't a a veil, there's nothing there anymore. You are open to come to God, to receive from him restored life in Christ, to receive from him maybe a fresh washing of his love, his peace. You can draw near to God and be forgiven because of the bread and because of the cup. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 16. When we drink the cup of blessing, aren't we taking into ourselves the blood, the very life of Christ? And isn't it the same with the loaf of bread we break and eat? Don't we take into ourselves the body, the very life of Christ? Because there is one loaf, our manyness becomes oneness. Christ doesn't become fragmented in us. Rather, we become unified in him. We don't reduce Christ to what we are. He raises us to what he is. 
And that's basically what happened even in old Israel. Those who ate the sacrifices offered to God, offered on God's altar, entered in to God's action on the altar. So Christ becomes our focus. The presence of God becomes our focus. That the Spirit is making Christ known to us through communion. And Christ is being formed in us as we take communion. That we are spiritual beings and we get to become more and more like Christ as we receive communion. So we're talking about spiritual renewal right now and receiving spiritual renewal from the table, from Christ. And sometimes when you think of the the word spiritual renewal, you might think of it um, as a big concept, you know, something that happens when maybe you go on a retreat or you go to a conference, you go to that, like, you have gone up for prayer and, and God really spoke to you or God healed you. Um, maybe you even went on a really nice vacation and had some spiritual renewal. You know, those milestone events when you first started following Jesus. Um, and there's a lot that leads up to that kind of spiritual spiritual renewal and a lot that we take away from those moments, those milestones in life. But we need daily spiritual renewal. We need the milestones, but we need regular spiritual renewal in our life. And that's what God is about. He isn't a God to withhold from us. He is a God to give to us. You know, the Lord's Prayer even says, Give us this day our daily bread, right? Because God's portion is new every morning for us. Um, A couple weeks ago, I was feeling that way even in, in church. I was thinking, okay, God, everything you have for me is new every morning. Who you are, the spiritual nature that I can have in you is new every morning. It doesn't matter what mistakes I made last night, the, the, the baggage that you carry week to week, day to day, God offers you newness and all of himself every morning. It's new and ready for you to take. This is an open table to receive from him. And don't we all need that spiritual renewal? I mean, you feel it. In your, in your soul and in your gut sometimes, where it's like, I'm just tired. I'm weary. I've been going through this trial that I thought was a season, and now it's turned into years. And God, I need a touch of your presence this morning. And we need to be reminded of truth. I think a lot of times, One of the hardest things in in the Christian life these days is just distinguishing between the lies and the truth. Because Satan is there to just tell you little things all the time until you're like, wait a second. (laughs) This isn't from God. We need God to breathe new life in us so we can just keep going. We can just wake up and keep living our day. And let me offer you this morning that spiritual renewal can be a regular rhythm like that. It can be as simple as 
going on a walk, enjoying the sunshine, having a conversation with another believer that encourages you. God wants to regularly an ongoing interaction with you. So our second point this morning is that God's presence is refreshing. To expect that, that God's presence is refreshing. So think about it. We all need um, physical renewal, you know. We are all in the habit of going to bed every night and having some sleep, some of us more than others. <laughs> but we all need it. If we don't get it, we're kind of grumpy, we're kind of cranky, and then crazy things start happening. And I, I've told this, I've shared this before, but when I brought home my first daughter, Eleanor, from the hospital, it was like my brain got switched on in a way that I had never experienced before. And I couldn't fall asleep. I was tired out of my brains from head to toe, but I just laid there and I couldn't go to sleep. And I Googled, can you die of sleep deprivation? I thought, this is how you die, you just can't go to sleep. It was miserable. I eventually did, but you know. Then um, it happened to me again like that when I was having Karis, my second daughter. It was during the flood, and I couldn't go to sleep. We evacuated from our house, you know. I didn't know what was happening. I was supposed to be having her. Couldn't go to the hospital. I just couldn't go to sleep. My brain was just on. And I told Dan, if, if I can't go to sleep, you're just going to have to take me to whatever hospital is available. You're just going to have to drug me with something, take the baby out so I can just go on with my life. <laughs> and um, we were staying with some friends that were medical doctors. She even gave me something to go to sleep. I didn't go to sleep. The only thing that worked eventually was Dan, like, literally bear-hugged me until I just collapsed eventually. And I felt safe, and I felt loved, and I felt like I could make it. And I'm about to have my third daughter. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm a little bit more seasoned now, but um, there is still something that happens to you when you only get like two-hour segments of sleep. Even four hours is way better. Um, I remember like I'll wake up to the baby crying, and I can't, I don't know where I'm at. Like, did I fall asleep in my bed? Am I in my house? Am I holding the baby? Am I in the nursery? Is it daytime? Is it nighttime? What just happened? I really don't even know. It takes a while for my brain to like sort through the fog to figure out where I'm at in life. And um, so I'm about to enter that stage. I'm anticipating the lack of physical renewal that is coming my way. But eventually, I'll get there. Um, but we all need physical renewal, right? It's draining without food, water, sleep, the basic necessities. Um, but just as much as we are physical beings, we are spiritual beings, too. And it's easier to grasp onto those physical things that we need and a little bit harder for us to remember how much we need spiritual renewal in our life and how things can get foggy and messy and confusing when we don't have it, when we aren't in a regular rhythm of receiving spiritual renewal. But why do you guys come to church on Sundays? 
because we enjoy being in the presence of God. God's spirit is refreshing. He comes to refresh us. We experience God's presence through worship, through singing, through being with each other, through having conversations about our lives, getting encouragement. And we receive God's presence through the bread and through the cup. And that the Spirit of God is here. And it is refreshing. The Spirit seeks to renew us and refresh us. Acts 3 19 through 20a says this. Now it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God so he can wipe away your sins. Pour out showers of blessing to refresh you. What's great is that we've, we talk about the kingdom of God and living in the kingdom of God. And we get the blessings of the kingdom of God where we're going to be living forever and ever now. We get the spirit of God living in us. We get the Spirit's work renewing and refreshing us now. We get a taste of the way God has intended us to live forever and ever now. And we need it. We need that renewing work. Not not just milestones every now and then, but every week, every day, moment by moment that we are living and breathing here on earth, we need God's renewing work in us. We need Jesus to empower us to keep us going day by day. And when we invite God's presence in, when we come to the table expecting God's presence, we should expect that his work is a renewing work. That he wants to transform us from the inside out. Right? He grips our hearts and he changes us. And the presence of God changes us. We become more like him. Our desires and our hearts change to be more like him. Galatians 5, 22-23 says this. This is the fruit of the Spirit passage, but in the message, so it's a little bit different. Um, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, but able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. The Spirit is filling us and empowering us with the character of Christ. That's our spiritual renewal. And don't you need those things? Well, when it's time to come and take of the bread and the cup, and it's time to sing and have ministry time at the end, we're going to ask God that he fills you with the things that you need. Because this brings us to our third point, that we need to receive God's renewing presence. We can talk about it. We can say that it's available. But we actually have to receive it in faith. Um, And as we receive God's renewing presence, it changes us. It fills us with joy. We're transformed. We're ready to go out into the world. 
We're ready to participate in what God is asking us to do. Because the kingdom of God, the thing that's transforming all of life until Christ comes back, is happening all around us. It's not just happening right here in these little walls, but it's happening in the world. And we can, we can be on board with God's kingdom, or we could just sit around, look inward. But God wants us to be outward-facing, to look at where he is at work in the world, to love our families better, to love our communities better, to see people in need, to be a listening ear, to be the body of Christ. And... Um, God's table is open for you to receive that renewing work. And the last time that Jesus ate of the bread and the cup, we talked about last week, was at Passover, which was the day before um, the crucifixion. And he was with his disciples eating this meal, which the Passover was celebrating um, the Israelites being freed from Egypt, from slavery in Egypt. And he states there that... His life and his body would be represented by the, the basic elements of the meal, the bread and the cup. And he tells us to remember him when we take of them. And when we participate in communion, we're participating in remembering all that Christ has done for us, all that we are given, all the benefits that we receive the breaking of the bread and the, the cup being poured out. It's something that we celebrate as believers, but it's also a model for us as believers. So Jesus shows us this model a little bit in Luke 9. He, he calls his disciples to him, and he gives his disciples power and authority to go out and preach the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, to heal the sick, to drive out demons. And, and he says, go, but don't load yourself up with too much equipment. Don't bring too much stuff with you because you are the equipment. You are going to do the work. And so they go out, and they are healing people and saving people and doing God's work. And then they come back to Jesus, and they report back to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, we did it, you know? We saved people in your name. We healed people in your name. People were transformed and restored in your name. And so, you know, he probably celebrates that, and, and then he decides to take them on a retreat away, but they don't really get to be by themselves because the crowds caught wind of where they're going and, of course, follow them. And Jesus graciously welcomes all these extra people. And he tells them about the kingdom of God. And he heals people, you know. And as the day is going on, the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, all right, it's maybe, you know, time to wrap this up. Send everybody home so that they can go get a proper meal and a proper rest. We're kind of out here in the middle of nowhere, you know, we don't really have much for them. And Jesus says, you feed them. Oh, Jesus, come on. 
we don't really have much, you know? Five loaves, two fish. You want us to go buy food for all these 5,000 people here? And so he tells them again to organize them in groups, sit them down. And Jesus takes the, the five loaves and the two fish and he raises it up to heaven. He gives thanks for it. He breaks it and he gives it to his disciples to pass out to the crowd. And after the people had eaten their fill, there were 12 baskets left over, gathered up. And now what I want us to see is that Jesus doesn't draw lines around his table. He doesn't say who's in and who's out from receiving his nourishment. There were so many Jewish purity laws that would have probably come into problems here. Even, even women didn't eat like in that public kind of a setting. The disciples were probably thinking it's kind of chaotic of a situation they were getting involved in. But Jesus says, my table is open to all. I eat with the poor and the sinners and the outcasts and the unclean. I eat with those outside of the religious circle, the way things that the way things should be. My, my table is open to all to receive my nourishment, to receive the good news, to receive healing and restoration, the things that our souls really need. And we, as his disciples, were called to give this kingdom life to others, to work for the good of others, to alleviate the suffering and the needs that we see in the world. But, you know, we can't do that until we are first filled up with God's renewal. And then we can go out and partner with him in renewing, in his renewing work. The vineyard, when it started, started with this phrase, people of the presence of God. We are people of the presence of God. That's our, our motto. We believe in God's presence. God's presence changes us. And we build our lives on that, on the Spirit's transforming work to break into our hearts and transform us, and then to break into this world and renew the, whatever is going on in the world. That's the kingdom of God at work. And we look for ways. How can we partner with God's Spirit in each other's lives? How can we partner with God's Spirit in our lives? How can we partner with God's Spirit outside of these four walls during the week? Who do we see? What needs do we see? How can we partner with what God is doing? Because God's work is going on, and it's our greatest privilege to be a part of that work. And Jesus showed us this example of taking the bread and breaking it, giving thanks, and being poured out. And one of the ways that we've recently started to just have a, a deeper connection as a church is our vineyard communities. And that is a way that we can partner with God's work. We can deepen our relationships with each other. We can nourish ourselves as a body of Christ, and then we can go out into the world and, and 
um, partner with what he is doing. Some um, practical tips. I'll have Mason come up to, to start some worship. But we talked about this, um, this first one in the first, ser- in the first sermon, where I just think about one area of your life that maybe you need that touch of God's presence, where you want to be free, where something is stirring in you, where you just need, you need to know, okay, God, you've got this, you see this, I need you here. And he can free you of that. It can be something like simple of like, you know, just... God, may I be free of trying to control everything, you know? Or it can be like something bigger. God's, you know, he's, he's over all the details of our life, and he cares about them so much. Sometimes I'm surprised at how much God cares about the details of our life. Like, why am I surprised? You always do these things for me, you know? Um, so just, just bring that before God's presence. Bring that before him in prayer, in worship, as you're coming to communion. Uh, Maybe get some prayer for it in the back. You know, I love getting prayer for little and big things, because that's another place where you can encounter God's presence, is when someone just prays for you. Um, So do that this morning as we lead up to Easter as well. And a second thing that you can think about is Um, Where can you pursue God's kingdom work? You know, where do you see a a need? Where do you see him working and renewing and restoring things? Or where do you feel passionate about serving and participating in what God's doing? And if you don't know, ask him to put something on your heart. And then just take one step towards that direction. You know, so this morning, we've been talking about knowing that God is present with us in communion. We've been talking about believing that his spirit is working to renew and refresh us. So when you come this morning, I want you to come receiving that spiritual renewal in faith. Come receiving what he wants to give you. Just a greater awareness of him in your life. And this morning, we're going to have our normal stations available. We have one over there, one there, and then we have a gluten-free one in the back. And our prayer partners, I'll invite you to the back station so that we can worship and take time with communion. And then if you do need prayer, um, receive that, and there will be someone back there. Um, So you guys can stand, and we are going to sing one last song together. And as you feel led, come up, take communion. You come back to your seats, and then I will uh, lead us out when when we're wrapped up.